Welcome to the Back to Basics podcast, a space where we share refreshing and honest conversations on all things pregnancy, birth, and parenting. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm a mom, holistic childbirth educator and coach, and founder of Ruby Mamas. Today we have Joey Richard. Joey is a mom, hairstylist, and blogger. Joey shares her two birth stories and how she went from fearing birth and just wanting to get it done to being intentional about creating a beautiful, loving experience in her second birth. She also talks about the differences between her hospital and home birth experiences. My name is Joey Richard, and um, I'm a mom of two. And uh, I'm originally half German, half French, but I grew up in Nairobi. And I've lived here my whole life. And my husband's also from Nairobi. We have two little kids. Um, my son is a year and a half, and my daughter, my firstborn daughter, is three years old. And so I'm also quite a new mother and, uh, yeah, navigating this journey. How's it going so far? It's going really well. Um, it's going really well, and uh, it's just hectic. It's hectic in these times. It's difficult to be a working mom. And my kids are, my kids are very close together. They're just 19 months apart. So that was, mm-hmm. of course, a challenge. But it's go, overall, it's going really well, and it's such a joy. Okay, cool, cool. Why don't we get into your first birth story? You can start at the pregnancy. Yeah, so I got pregnant with my, my daughter um, at 28 years old, and I was incredibly excited. I think I've always wanted to be a mom. It was just such an exciting experience, and I was really ready, ready for it. Um, my pregnancy went quite well. I stayed really active the whole time and worked throughout my pregnancy. I'm a hairdresser by profession, so I have a really active, like, standing job, but I absolutely love it, and I didn't want to stop. So I carried on, and it was really good. I think it was really good for me. Um, and then when I when it was sort of getting closer to time to give birth, I sort of went with, like, I, th- I think all moms, um, y- you know, we, we just have the references of maybe our mother, our sister, and a few friends who have mm-hmm. maybe already given birth. So we draw from that those experiences. For me personally, I saw my sister give birth for two out of her three births. And I watched her give birth at Nairobi Hospital with an Indian doctor. And um, that was kind of my, an Indian male doctor, that was my like view of giving birth. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. But, and and that's what I went with, you know, I watched her each time, of course, Um, she had relatively short labor, she was induced uh, the whole time, but I always watched her have like a routine episiotomy. And um, so I was definitely fearful about my first birth. But I did really like her doctor. She had this old, um, really old Indian guy who was very kind and and um, what I thought to be quite like natural. Mm. Um, so I kind of went with the same like, I, and I and I think this is this is the thing about your first child. Often you just want to like get through it and survive it, yeah. as opposed to have this beautiful crafted experience. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, of course, every woman is going to be fearful. And we also don't know like how our bodies, like our physiology will respond to childbirth and everything. So it's understandable that we go with like the safest uh, perceived option. Right. Uh, so I went with that option. I just booked with her same doctor at Nairobi Hospital. And uh, my mom is actually, she's not a certified doula, but she's a missionary and she kind of has assisted in about 40 births and been around a lot of births. So she's kind of like a birth coach. She's also herself had seven children. So she's Mm. very, a very experienced mother. For sure. So she really helped me. Like I didn't have a doula or birth coach for my first child, but she was mine. So she even did lessons, like instead of Lamaze classes, we did like a few lessons with my mom. She mm. taught me about breathing techniques, what to expect, different positions that you can birth in. Uh, she, she, she talked me through like the stages of labor and stuff like that and gave my husband and like husbands definitely need a good idea of what to expect. So gave my husband an idea of what to expect out of the whole experience and stuff. And she also, you know, has her natural spin on things. So it was super helpful to have her. And I think any mom would benefit from having some kind of birthing support that goes beyond just a doctor who will come at you from a very like medical standpoint, but to have like a woman in your life who can really guide you through the birthing experience from a more like compassionate and emotional way, because it is a huge social event for a mother and it's it's very 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 important Mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree I do I feel like it's not just your body there's so much more going on when you're giving birth oh totally yeah and so I think that's what I learned like from from going like going into my next birth but anyway just to continue on with my first birth Mm-hmm. When I when I reached my due date, I reached all the way up to my due date weeks prior to my due date or my sort of last appointment with my doctor. It comes around 37 weeks or so. And they may even do like an internal check to see if there's any kind of effacement or anything. At mm-hmm. this last check, he basically said, uh, so I'm I'm going. I'm like gonna, I'm going to London. And uh, I'll be there for two weeks. So I probably won't be here for your birth. So I'm going to just refer you to another doctor. Now, this is my first child. I was, of course, super disappointed to hear this. Mm -hmm. And I was super stunned. I just started crying immediately. And because the person who you see throughout your pregnancy, you you form a connection with them and you really depend on them to see you through this scary journey. Yeah. Uh, And so he just said, I'm leaving. And he left me with another doctor, um, a Muslim man. And I I didn't really, um, I was okay with him. I was really down, like I, w- I was really kind of open because I just wanted it to go well. Uh, but it kind of became evident that we didn't connect with him so well, but mm-hmm. we were, you know, willing to move forward and we didn't have another option at that stage. So at about when when I reached my due date, he began to tell me that okay, we need to we want to give birth on your due date. We don't want to go a day longer. And this <laughs> okay. is keep in mind this is my first child. I have no complications attached to my birth. I actually had a very uh, 
a, a really good pregnancy and no uh, and no complications at all. No, mm-hmm. no lying placenta, no blood pressure, just really a, like I was a young, healthy mother. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, we're going to we want to give birth on your due date. And that's that's important. We don't want to go beyond. And he started to like so I came in the day before I gave birth. And he was like, and yeah, we want to give your, want to give you a cortisone. Was it cortisone injection, like a steroid so that your baby's lungs will be okay. And he did a cervical sweep for me. And he was like, we want to get things moving. And I was had it. And it, it was already kind of clear that mm-hmm. he really wanted to be the doctor to give birth, to help me give birth. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to kind of lose out on the job. If you know what I mean? Wow, Somehow, okay. That was the energy that he gave me. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and I, I don't want to completely put the blame on him because I was also very eager to meet my baby after you're, when you're pregnant for like 39 weeks, you're yeah. like so done and you just want to meet your baby. You just want to stop being pregnant and you want to move on to the next stage of motherhood. So I eagerly listened to everything he said. And I was also had my heart set on giving birth around my due date, even though my previous doctor had told me told me, look, this is your due date, but it can be even days before or after. So yeah. give yourself that window. But I was very eager. And so mm-hmm. was this doctor. So together we made a not a good combination, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I ended up having light feet of early labor. And uh, we just decided to go in. Like now looking back, I can say I wasn't in labor properly. I was only one centimeter dilated and maybe like 50% effaced. Um, I had no water breaking, no, like nothing like that. I think looking back, I could have waited one or two more days for my body to be ready. Mm-hmm. But he was very, he was very eager to have me check in. And then once I had checked, like I had even asked him, look, can, can you, can you check me? And then uh, can you do an internal check and before I check in so that I know, like, I'm not going to wait in the hospital for so long. And um, he said, no, he said, once you check in and once like they, they cannot do an internal examination until you're admitted, which I don't think that's true. Why is that? But anyway, I just, <laughs> I know, I just feel like sometimes they tell you, like, especially young mothers, they tell you whatever, just out of like, for their convenience just or to get for you the to listen. convenience. Yeah, just to like, and, and you're, you don't really know much. So you're just like, okay, whatever. Um, it's a bit of manipulation. So I, I checked, I know. You finished the whole experience with that feeling. So anyway, I, um, I, I checked in, but I was very like early, early stages of labor, but they did the pessary um, induction. And slowly, slowly, things kind of like my contractions started to kind of ride away, become contractions that I could feel and notice. And so that was okay. But I had uh, my cervix was, um, what's the word? Like inverted? What is it? When it, when it like has not yet come straight down. I'm not sure. There's is a it, word. Is, is it a face? There's a word for it. It's not a face. It's like you're. I don't know. It just left my mind suddenly. I oh, I I say it often, but mm-hmm. like 
your cervix is usually kind of straight or, or curved and then it needs mm -hmm. to come straight so that the baby can pass through. So I, I didn't have, I wasn't, that hadn't happened. I was still in the very early stages, you know, like four hours of labor and then maybe three centimeters. So like it was a very slow progression. Mm -hmm. uh, at about four centimeters, I had gone through my first six hours of the pessary induction, which is, uh, was quite long. And then after the, after the first round, like the pessary is about a six hour acting drug. So after the six hours, they check you again. Now, during that six hours, I had two different cervical sweeps, which were incredibly painful. They were done by like nurses, the nurses that were there, mm -hmm. both times by two completely different women who I, I like had never met. And if anybody has had a cervical sweep, it's quite invasive. And um, yeah, it's, it's painful and, and invasive. And if you, you know, you're not comfortable at all with a person, you tend to not be like very relaxed or open or yeah. anything that would help, you know, so the environment is just can be difficult for, for a woman. And I just think, Like when, when I compare it in a few minutes to my second birth, mm -hmm. I think a lot of moms who listen to this, they will see the difference and also connect to the, the first story and how maybe this is their experience, you know, of this kind of colder environment with all these different people rushing through and doing these very personal things to you mm -hmm. without much ceremony, you know, like just shoving their hand up there or whatever and it just it, it can be very difficult I think about I can't remember where I heard it but someone was like would you go to a doctor or to the middle of an auditorium to have sex you know or to poop yeah like your muscles would just exactly. not relax completely I saw a video a really funny video once with the sex analogy of a couple trying to like have sex and finish at in the type of environment that we women mm -hmm. have to give birth in and so and so this is all part of this is all part of my journey to to having my second birth which was mm -hmm. something that I felt was more what I wanted out of my experience okay. so I got a second after the cervical sweeps I had a second round of those pessaries so and and the doctor at that point said look you're only four centimeters I'm going to give you this other pessary and do another cervical sweep. And after six hours, if, you know, everything is, if, if you basically, if you don't give birth by then, then you're going to have a C-section. So I was like, okay, <laughs> those were the words I did not want to hear. Most mothers no go into this wanting to have a C-section mm -hmm. and the pressure just does not help because it's completely out of our control. We already are struggling to relax and feel peaceful mm. during this crazy process that we have no control over. And, and then an environment um, that doesn't Yeah, help you're relaxing. in a different environment. No, because you can hear other people giving birth all over and it's just <laughs> so scary. I, I was doing a lot of walking. I'm a really like active birther. So I was like mm. walking up and down the hall <laughs> and I just kept hearing like the, the, from one woman to the next being in the actual delivery room. And mm. it's definitely really scary. You're like going to meet your, meet your death. I don't know. It's Whoa. just so, it's just so scary. 
Um, but anyway, uh, finally, at some point, he offered me some, I, I began to really, after the second pessary, I began to like really labor hard. And it was probably like, more like transition for me. And I went from like four centimeters to like nine in maybe four hours. Mm. In between there, they did ask me if I wanted some kind of like pain relief. I never wanted to have an epidural, which is my personal choice, because I had always seen uh, my mom and my sister never had epidurals. So that was kind of the model. And I, and I didn't feel like I could, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I had to survive it like them naturally. You know, you have a bit of that pressure. Like I, I could take them <laughs> out and get an epidural. Not that mm. it's, you know, not okay to get an epidural, but that was my family's yeah. kind of way. So um, I was like, okay, I have to uh, do this pain-free. But at some point they did offer me some pain medication and I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but I got a shot in my, like the side of my butt and it made me super tired. And I actually almost passed out for about 30 minutes. I don't did really you find know out what, what it was, was after? No, I don't even know what it was. It was some, but it did relieve my pain and it made me incredibly drowsy. It was like a sedative. Interesting. And so I kind of like passed out for about 30 minutes. And then I woke up with like a jolt and my mucus plug like came out. So I kind of rushed to the bathroom, wobbled to the bathroom. And I kind of like had my mucus plug come out and everything. And then from then my mom called a nurse. It was the middle of the night at like 2 a.m. Called the nurse and said, okay, um, can you please check her? Because something's happening. She's in a lot of pain. She just had some water and mucus plug come out and everything. So she checked me and she was like, uh, yeah, you're good to go. So took me to the, took me to the delivery room. At that time I was like, where's my doctor? And they're mm. like, oh, he went. Wow. Like, I think he didn't think that it would happen for me and that he would just come back at the set C-section time. <laughs> so oh I actually goodness. ended up with the doctor on call, which was this lovely Kenyan guy. Mm -hmm. And I was at that time, I was just so happy that it was like it was all happening. And of course, I'm also like in deep labor. So I was just like, who cares? Just somebody help me. Mm -hmm. But I got a really good vibe from this guy. And he right away just put me on the delivery table and he gave me some very clear instructions on how to push. And I just felt like he was able to kind of cut through the haze that I was in mm. and help me to like birth really well. Like somehow he could communicate with me, which is difficult in that moment because it's very intense and, mm. you know, yeah. but anyway, so he, he helped me. He started to do like some perennial massage right away as soon as I was on the table. And with like a few pushes, I gave birth to my daughter. And that was amazing. Such a good experience. I was, I had no drugs, so I definitely felt everything and it, mm. but it was okay. Like I didn't have any tearing. I had a slight like nick, but I never really, he never stitched me or anything. Um, and so I was really happy. They put her on me and um, then my doctor rushes in, I guess they called him. <laughs> And then he's like, he's like, okay, now we have to deliver the placenta. And I still feel like the whole thing was that he was trying to be part of my birth so he could make the money. So he was like, okay, you have to give birth to your placenta now. And oh, I gosh. just had, like my baby just came out. 
Mm-hmm. So he started to like put his hand in and like press on my stomach and stuff. And this is just moments after I gave birth. And I came to understand later that it, it's very normal for the placenta to take anywhere from 10 minutes to 30 minutes to like come off the wall of your stomach and come out happily and safely. Instead, instead he made like it this really rough thing and I don't know why that happens if they want us to be like oh you saved me from potential disaster or like I don't know what the vibe is but mm. I didn't like it. again I didn't like it right away because I was like why am I so rushed and like I'm doing something wrong or there's something wrong with my body mm-hmm. now you're putting me on a course of antibiotics and you've, we've had this big like really painful manipulation of my getting my placenta out after the birth mm-hmm. it just kind of like dampens the joy and electricity that we naturally feel after giving birth so mm-hmm. I had these these things that although they're not near the trauma that some women um have while giving birth they still to me were not like they didn't feel right you know yeah so well overall I am happy with my birth at the hospital like there was nothing that went terribly wrong and to some mothers they would look at my story and say that was quite a good positive easy birth Mm -hmm. I still when I got pregnant with my son I was like this can be better I know this can be better I know this experience can be more magical Mm -hmm. because it already was magical but I was like this this can be so much better If I remove some of these factors that made me feel uncomfortable, that made me have a difficult time, Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. So I just, my husband and I decided to have another baby quite soon after we wanted our kitties to be close together. And so we took the plunge to start trying. And I got pregnant with my son when my daughter was 11, 10, 11 months around there. And I was super happy to be pregnant again. And this time I was definitely really uh, curious about what else is out there. How can I have a different experience? How can I have a more loving, woman-centric, magical birth? Because I've only wanted to do this a few times. I'm not going to do it seven times like my mom. And each and every one of these times, I want them to be incredibly special and memorable. Mm -hmm. So I went into it like that. I went into the pregnancy like that and everything. And this even included, actually, let me add something to this story. It included my prenatal experience, like my checkups. I was like, I want... I want more. I don't want 15 minutes with a doctor who's rushing me through everything I'm saying, finishing my sentences because he wants the next patient Mm. and kind of uh, sort of uh, diminishing or devaluing some of my experiences and explaining them away when I feel I'm having a really unique experience as every mother does. Every mother thinks their experience is unique and it is, and it should be treated as such. But unfortunately, the the constructs of the medical system it doesn't like it just doesn't lend to the individual yeah it doesn't allow for the individual basically so I so when I in between actually in between getting pregnant with Aries and Hero I decided I, I decided I was kind of done with that doctor who left me to go to the UK And I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to hunt now for a new gyno. I want to, 
maybe I want to try to have a woman. And I went to another gynecologist who was a woman who worked at Aga Khan. Mm-hmm. And I told her that this is, you know, I'm really looking for a little bit more of a holistic experience, something a little bit more personal. Um, and I would even like to, like, if I get pregnant again, I would like to exp- explore home birth. I would like to explore birthing in a birthing center. I just want to be really open to what's out there here. Mm-hmm. And I want to be really, like, fluid in my experience. And she was like, why do we get pregnant in the first place? Is it to have a good experience or to have a healthy baby? And she right away with that statement just devalued my, my whole outlook or my, like what, like you are not important in this. Mm -hmm. If you have a healthy baby that equals happiness, like you don't need, you don't need to have a, a good experience. It's, so that just shut me down and made me be like, oh, my God, there's nothing in Kenya or anywhere like this that I'm looking for. Mm. And it just that that one statement made me feel really bad. That is a lot of like the, the women or even women around us, mothers, sometimes, you know, partners uh, or medical or people in the medical field. There is that attitude of if you have a healthy baby, you should just be happy, you know. You should just be okay with it. And the rest of it is part of your sacrifice as a mother. But there's, and it's like we've forgotten that the mom has a very transformative experience herself Mm -hmm. and that childbirth and pregnancy and everything is part of helping her transform into the mother that she will be. And if you have a negative experience, experience full of trauma, you are you are more likely to be a bit of a disconnected mother and really struggle through your motherhood journey whereas if you have a very like loving empowering experience around childbirth and pregnancy don't you agree i do i think you need someone to mother you as you're becoming a mother mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more and just sometimes the medical system or like you know, an older male doctor is just not going to give you that, like what, what you might need, especially just as a new mother or a young mother, you know, nothing against, um, nothing against anyone, but there just has to be a balance. And that's why like back in the day, there were certain village women and older women who, you Mm. know, could guide young mothers through this process. And I think we just have to find like the village again, in our I, communities. I agree. It sounds like the doctors just viewed you like an incubator or something, you know, just, just bring this baby and give me my money. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I felt from the industry. Mm-hmm. So after I got pregnant, I started to kind of explore what was out there as far as like holistic birthing and home birthing and just two names right away came up. There's a French Canadian lady called Melanie Shivari. And um, there was, uh, what's the other lady who does home birthing? I'm like having serious mom brain. Right, in Kenya? Yeah, in Nairobi. Lucy, Lucy Mushi? Lucy, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> Lucy, yeah. So I, those are the two names that just came up right away. It was Lucy and Melanie. And these mm-hmm. were my kind of uh, choices. And so I was super excited to explore this and of course I was nervous to tell my mom and my husband like look I'm thinking about having a bit more of a holistic 
uh, type of birth from right from the prenatal care down to birth, but I, I don't know. I'm super open. So the, my first instinct or what happened first was to make an appointment with Melanie, who is a lovely, lovely French Canadian lady who's super in birth and holistic birthing. And um, she is a midwife and I don't, I think she might have moved from Kenya during the whole pandemic, which is really unfortunate, but she was doing a lot with like Maasai communities and she actually lived in Anuki mm-hmm. and um, was doing a lot with just like uh, local communities, but also had a bit of a, like a birthing business and center. So I went to her and just from the first experience, it was like I had a two hour session with her, which is like the first thing that is just not like a doctor. Yeah. When you go see a doctor, it's a quick, you wait in the waiting room for an hour if it's a good doctor. <laughs> and then you have about 15 minutes with them where they rush through your medical history. And then they don't want to hear that much about your previous birth, aside from whether it was a C-section or an actual birth. They don't care about the nuances. And then they most of the time will just be like, okay, uh, I and I actually experienced this with my first child. Even if you're in early stages of pregnancy, they don't want to talk about the birth. They're like, we'll talk about that later. We have plenty of time for now. Let's just make sure you have a healthy pregnancy, which wow. is fine. But often, often mothers will start thinking about the birth even halfway through their pregnancy or even in early pregnancy and may yeah. already know, you know. Mm. Yeah. So she spent two hours with me and it was just so like peaceful and loving. She talked to me about other things like what I was eating. Um, She took like a very detailed interest in my previous birth, which I think is really important because you're basing a lot of your expectations on your previous experiences or your previous trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's just really nice that she gave me all that time. And uh, she checked me so gently and so respectfully. She Obviously, at that this was like early stages, so there was barely any checking, but she just felt my stomach. Um, so I decided to carry on uh, with my prenatal checks from her. Mm-hmm. And she would see me every couple of months and then check in with me by phone. And I would send my... Uh, results of my ultrasounds to her and my blood work results to her and stuff like that. So she basically monitored me throughout my pregnancy. Um, Now, I didn't really go into it thinking I'm going to have a home birth because I think it can be a little bit of a scary and daunting thought. And then it's also not so common, especially here Mm -hmm. in Kenya anymore. And actually in a lot of in a lot of ways, the government encourages people to have hospital births because, you know, here in like rural, uh, in like rural areas or urban slums, of course, people don't have like good conditions mm. or sanitary conditions to birth in. So I do understand the push to away from home birth. I was curious about, I was curious about what, who had given birth at home here, what it was like. So I did start to kind of like do my research. And the more I kind of toyed with the idea and talked about it, I realized that quite a few moms within my circles, some expats that I knew, and even one or two Asians had given birth at home. 
And then I began to also see like on YouTube and stuff, like a lot of Kenyan couples had been exploring home birth with Lucy. And I just was like really, really curious about it, but also, also hesitant at the same time. And my husband was definitely hesitant. I think guys always like err on the side of caution and it's such an unknown for them. So they're like, oh, my God, you know, is there going to be blood everywhere? And like, you know, there's just like so many simple questions that just blow your mind regarding home birth until you yeah. actually break them down. <laughs> yeah. Like when you actually break them down, you're like, OK, everything's fine. But when you first think about it, you just think of this like crime scene in your house. Right. You're just like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> the questions always like who's going to cut the cord. You're like, that's like the I know. part. <laughs> I know the questions I think are just like probably so funny for midwives to, to get. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically, uh, yeah, I, I talked to some mothers about it and there was particularly one mother called Rachel and she had six children and she had three hospital births and three home births. So I felt like she was such a good person to talk to. And I really spoke to her. I really asked her like detailed questions, like what exactly was different about your home birth versus your hospital birth? Because mm -hmm. I was really trying to weigh it up to see if it was an option for me and, and stuff like that. And if it was worth, you know, going out on a limb, because you do feel like you're going out on a limb a bit and doing something so unconventional. Mm -hmm. um, so she was like, she, she was like, seriously, it was just the best thing that I've ever done. The most connected and and peaceful way that I ever gave birth and honestly like even if it was more like she was like in the U.S. and this lady was American she's like in the U.S. I had healthcare, so like it would be so almost no expense to have a hospital birth and the mm -hmm. home birth would cost me like you know a thousand or two thousand dollars so she was like it was such an expense yeah but if she could do it again she would have just put all her births on a credit card and like paid them for the rest of her life she was like <laughs> It's so worth it to be at home. So I was like, wow, I really remembered when she said that. And I was like, wow, I really, there must be something to it. Yeah. So I talked to a few different moms. Then we, then we explored the idea with Melanie and she actually came to our house and looked at our space and of course said, you know, this is the perfect place. It's a perfect place because it's your home and you're comfortable yeah. mm -hmm. and it has your energy. And this is, a great place to give birth if you are comfortable with it and that was her emphasis as well she never pressured pressured me into it she was like if you as a family if that's what you want then that's what you should do and we will prepare for a home birth mm -hmm. and so we my husband and I talked together and uh, ultimately he left it up to me and I decided that I wanted to have a home birth and we asked her all the questions that are necessary to ask you know what about the blood where am I going to give birth what about my what about my 19 month old daughter who is going to be like peacefully sleeping we actually had a really small house at that point just like two very small bedrooms and mm -hmm. one communal living space and a small like connected kitchen so it's not like we had a bunch of space and a different like room that I could birth in it was all like kind of together and it was it was a very small area so I was quite nervous about like the noise what if I start making noise what about our neighbors what if they hear me like scream or like I don't know I just like and she was like you know actually you'd be so surprised like usually home births are very quiet like the woman is quite quiet because mm. there's not as much 
panic. <laughs> I don't know. She was like, yeah, there's not, it's different. So trust me, it's different. So we, we basically prepared for the home birth and I did a lot like because I wanted a more holistic birth and because I had one birth already as a reference, mm-hmm. I felt like I was able to really, um, I was able to really envision my next birth quite well. And it was also like the, the, my last birth was quite recent. So I could really access like the memories and the emotions mm-hmm. that I felt. Yeah. And I could work to change them and maybe make a more positive story and a positive visualization in my mind. So I read a book, which is a really old, like, I feel like it's a really old hippie book. It's called Mind Over Labor. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like visualizations regarding birth. Yeah. And I read that. And then another mom sent me some files, some hypnobirthing files. So even though I didn't do a proper hypnobirthing course, which I would definitely recommend, I just had like these five, I think they were like five hypnobirthing files. Mm-hmm. And she basically explained to me that it's like a meditation that you practice. Like, so you listen to the files so that you can like connect with the, with the meditation and mm-hmm. fall into like almost fall into the relaxation that you have practiced. So I, I, I researched tons of watched tons of hypnobirthing videos on YouTube and had these hypnobirthing files. I read this book called mind over labor and practiced visualizations every day for like the last month before I gave birth every night, I would like fall asleep listening to my hypnobirthing uh, meditations. And I really just pictured this beautiful, peaceful birth. And I pictured my son just, you know, sliding out of me which didn't happen but you know I visualized it and I really like I really just put all my positive energy all the happiness and joy and everything that I could into visualizing this experience that doesn't mean that I had like zero anxiety or zero fear or zero anything but it did make me like think about my birth with such like excitement and joy. And I think that's the difference between like your a first time experience where nobody tells you anything about hypnobirthing or nobody tells you about any of the mental aspect of birthing and you just go into it crippled mm-hmm. with fear and just yeah. hoping to make it out alive. And then being in a doctor situation where they don't tell you, take any time to tell you about any of the emotional and mental aspects of it. And yeah. it's, it's more like this medical event that you like attend and then you're treated as a bit of an emergency case, you know, instead of really knowing the processes that your body will go through the stages that will come Mm -hmm. and then greeting them with like knowledge and like, like excitement for the next stage, Mm -hmm. which is what like ideally should, should be. Don't you think? I agree completely. Oh man, it's so I'm very passionate about this. Let me know if I'm going on for too long. No, I'm literally trying to hold myself <laughs> back. Because <laughs> I feel like it's so like it's so much more than a baby coming out of your vagina. Like the things your brain goes sure. through, the person you become after, the process during. It's just like a doctor won't take the time to tell you what your body is doing, like what your body's going to do. Like no, they don't even understand sure like the mental processes you're going to through. I mean, 
And to be honest, a lot of women won't tell you that either. And I don't really know why, but a lot of women are either mm. incredibly dramatic about their births and it's valid. It's, it's completely valid in a way because some people do have incredibly difficult birthing experiences with, you know, tearing and uh, dif- difficult, difficult circumstances, 48 hour labors, like you hear about those. Mm. But what I heard about birth was that's what I heard that, oh, yeah, the doctor cut me from my vagina to my asshole and I couldn't sit down for two weeks. And like, that's what I heard about childbirth, not like that. Oh, it's going to be the most beautiful experience you ever go through. And because you're a portal from one universe to the other, you will struggle to, to have that baby. But when you do, you will never be the same. And that's what mothers should know, that they're going to go through the most spiritual, most magical experience. Will it include pain? Yes. It's (laughs) the smallest part. Right? I feel like the pain isn't even that, like, it's in the center. But in a hospital, you're on a clock, you're on your back, your pelvis is closed. Like, the doctors aren't telling you, lying on your back is making your pelvic opening smaller. So you're going to have a harder time. And then they don't tell you that just because you're 10 centimeters doesn't mean that the baby's ready to come. And your your partners, your birthing partners aren't comfortable. Never forget with my first birth, Mm -hmm. they had one, they had only one chair in the room and it was incredibly uncomfortable, like wooden chair with a thin fabric on it. Mm. And my mom has scoliosis and she was so uncomfortable during my birth that it made me so worried. And my husband was like lying on the floor. Oh reading gosh. an anime comic but we won't talk about that <laughs> but like yeah my like my my birthing partners were so uncomfortable and I I'm a compassionate person I'm gonna be like I'm sorry I'm sorry you have to like and I shouldn't be apologizing during my own birth but every one of us were so uncomfortable and nobody like wants to be at a hospital like you said for four days mm-hmm. but would you want to be like cozy in your living room for four days maybe why that, not that's much better, you know <laughs> exactly yeah. We basically decided on doing it, yeah. And um, it was so it was so easy. There was like very little preparation. She basically asked me to like buy a stainless steel bowl for the placenta. Asked me, you know, to buy some of those pads that you can get like in Carrefour that are like absorbent pads for if you you know somebody who pees the bed or medical use. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that's all I bought. I bought a couple of new towels, but that was even just more so that I could, you know, you're just like, what can I buy? I have to buy something. <laughs> and it's the nice thing is that you like nest for your birth, which I loved. Mm. I I would sit for like the weeks before I would envision the spot that I was going to birth in. I had like my favorite like window seat mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like labor there. And I, I made this like whole playlist and I got half of the songs from like my prenatal yoga instructor. And I was like, I was preparing for this like beautiful event, which is so different than just preparing for your hospital bag for a hospital visit. It was just so nice to like nest for, for the experience. And then all the people around me who loved me, we, we prepared weeks in advance that, okay, Ramika. That you will you'll bring me um oh you'll you'll watch the baby if this should happen, like you watch my first daughter. Um and you will do this. You I give everyone like jobs, the few people that were at my birth, and then even like my friends for the days after birth, 
they did like a food rotation. So they like brought me food. One, one friend one day brought me like a lasagna, the other friend, you know, cause, cause you are a bit worried about like the after, how will the after postpartum stage be at mm-hmm. home? Yeah. But anyway, I'll get to that. I'll get to that <laughs> later. So I, I kept on working till like, it was a Friday and my due date wasn't for another two weeks. Uh, and I stopped working on Friday and on Sunday, no, on Saturday, Melanie came to check me and, uh, she, she just, it was kind of like the routine that, that last 37 week check. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, I don't know if, I don't usually do an internal check, but if you want one, I can to see if you're, how everything is going again. She's super like sensitive about that and very like the mother can decide you can like basically some women never with home birth and with midwives never ever want an internal check or never need one Mm -hmm. which is one way to go but for me I was like yeah I want to know like am I any dilated am I any effaced like for me I'm more like over eager you know so she checked me and she was like oh and again like so her internal like vaginal checks versus a doctor are like night and day she like preps you and like lovingly strokes your leg and is like are you okay with me like inserting my hand and just so Mm -hmm. kind that you don't even like you're just welcoming it you're not like oh my god I hope this is not too uncomfortable and like stiff body you know like Mm -hmm. such a difference Mm -hmm. so she did an internal check for me which I barely felt and she was like, okay, you're actually three centimeters dilated and you're 90% effaced. <laughs> and I was like, what? I just like stopped working yesterday. My due date is not <laughs> for another two weeks. I didn't expect that at all, mm-hmm. but I was so happy and excited. And she said, okay, I could just leave you here if you like, or I could do while I'm in, I can do a little gentle cervical sweep. If you think you're like excited to have your baby, you feel ready and you want to move it along. It's not a sure thing, but it could help. Mm. So I was like, yes, I want to be my baby. Like, <laughs> you know, by, even by 37 weeks, you're like already over it. Yeah. So I was like, just do a cervical sweep. Mm-hmm. She didn't, I like compared to my other cervical sweeps where I like jumped up and screamed out. This mm. cervical sweep, sleep, sweep, I was like laughing and smiling during it. I barely felt it. It was the most gentle thing I ever experienced. And it made me feel like just that one experience alone made me so confident for my birth because I was like, this person loves me and like mm. wants what's best for me as opposed to somebody who just mm. is doing a medical thing. Like, you know, this but is something that has exactly has like so much love in it. So she did the cervical sweep. The next day, um, I just had like a normal day with my little family, with my daughter and my husband. We went to Carrefour to pick up a few things. On Monday, my sister came over to help me like wash all the baby clothes and organize everything. All this time, I'm like taking walks and, you know, preparing, knowing that I'm already three centimeters dilated. And then on Monday, I lost my mucus plug in the day. So I had a feeling that maybe that night I would give birth. So we kind of were preparing. And then around 9 p.m., I started having painful contractions. And so I knew I'm in labor. And I was so excited because I didn't have to be induced five times to to have that 
the the feeling of contraction it all just happened perfectly naturally and that was i had i had like uh i had objectives or goals for my birth and one was no drugs like i wanted nothing i wanted like i had already very little the first time but i wanted absolutely nothing i wanted no deadlines around my birth and i just wanted i don't remember what the third one was but i just wanted like this just peaceful birth so at 9 p.m., uh, I started going into labor. We had already put my daughter to sleep in the next room, and we put a, like a noise machine under her crib so that it would kind of cancel out any noises that we would be making. And I just lay in bed peacefully with my husband, like cuddling and counting my contractions. And it was just like such a nice place to be in, you know, like wearing his T-shirt and just in our bed and just like so... Um, at home, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere to rush. We didn't have to leave our daughter anywhere. Like it was just peaceful. And so then at around like 10 p.m., my midwife came. We called her because the contractions were like one minute apart. So they're like, okay, maybe you should come. And she came with, uh, she had an assistant who's actually still here in Kenya. She's a lovely, lovely midwife as well called Maria. And so she was the, the assistant. Mm-hmm. They came and set up all their equipment. She was so thorough. Like she had, she even had like oxygen and everything, like so much equipment that actually really, it really surprised me because, you know, you think she's just going to come with like a, I don't know. Herself. <laughs> Prayer beads. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, like she came with medical equipment. The whole of all my couches were like covered in everything that they would need. Everything for like a, a, like the, the post natal like checks for the baby just everything that would be needed and they also came with a birthing pool so Mar- Maria and my husband and it was actually really nice because like my husband was kept busy for a lot of my the difficult part of my labor with like helping to fill up the birthing pool so he had like a job <laughs> he had like a mission <laughs> which he could focus on and I could just like labor Mm-hmm. and my mom came as well who was basically my mom and my husband were my birth partners and then uh I, I labored and labored and labored till and, and progressively my uh contractions got heavier and heavier and I'd be I dilated consist pretty consistently and then at about 5 a.m or so I reached like, I, I was 10 centimeters. Like she had checked me. I was, I had gone through my transition, incredibly painful contractions. But the whole time I had like my music and my, my vibe. Mm. And then I got, I, I could, and I could leave her wherever I wanted. Like I could go in the bathroom a bit. I could go like by the couch and she just kept massaging my back and my butt and like really helping to release the pain. And one thing I'll also say is like at home, I was so much more comfortable making like natural noises. Yeah. And so, and she, she would, she gave me really helpful tips of how I could like release the contraction. So I do kind of like a horse, like, and it really helped me after each contraction to like release the contraction. And so I just had these really like instinctual ways of looking after myself without any pressure from anyone to like lie on a bed or, be monitored throughout or or just like look a certain way to strangers I felt like so at home so I just did whatever I like needed to do to get from one track you know and then 
uh, at about 10 centimeters, I, I still had my, like my water bag was intact and the baby was still very high. So she mm-hmm. had not come like completely right up to the birth canal. And that is when my, my birth took a little bit of a turn and it stopped being so normal, like so uh, routine. Uh, so she did an internal exam and I think broke, broke my water bag at that point. Cause that's the only way she could feel the head properly. Mm. So she broke the water bag cause I was 10 centimeters dilated. And then she felt his head and she said, Oh, okay. Like so calmly and lovingly. She's like, actually his head is not in the right position to come out of your vagina. It's not in the right position for optimal position for birth. So we're going to have to give it a little bit of time for him to move by himself. But the whole time she was um, checking his heartbeat with a Doppler and stuff. So I never actually felt like very worried because she would just check his heart and she'd be like, your baby is so peaceful. Your baby is so wise. He knows exactly what to do. We're going to trust him and trust Mm -hmm. your body. And Mm -hmm. there's no need to pan. There's no like need for anything and I actually never even although we had an ambulance that I could call at any time um I never felt like I needed it because I was I was fine and the baby was fine but that being said I was a little bit frustrated because I guess I had pictured my birth to be this perfect I'd reach 10 centimeters I'd be in the water and I've had uncontrollable pushing contractions and the baby would slide out with no tearing and that's what I visualized which is great but it just wasn't happening at like that so um I was so we kind of she 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 moved me she's a very like wise and natural midwife so she moved me into different positions with my legs and my body to try to relieve the pressure like relieve the pressure on the baby so that he could kind of lift his head and then get into a position where he could come out and she also did a little bit of like manipulation with her hands and she told me at that point because I was like why isn't this happening um I want to like I want to give birth like I'm ready it's the almost the morning like what's happening I was a little bit frustrated so she told me that you know there's nothing really to worry about in this situation in the bush if you were a woman without this kind of help, you would probably fall asleep at this point because you would be kind of exhausted and your labor would is stalled. Like I didn't have contractions all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So she was like, your labor stalled. You probably would fall asleep from exhaustion and that would relax all your muscles, allowing the baby to kind of lift and shift. And as mm-hmm. soon as he is in the right position, I promise you, your body will produce strong contractions. And I was like, how, you know, but she understands the way like it works. So she Mm -hmm. was like, because you're not relaxed enough, she tried to ask me, do you want to just lie on your side a little bit and sleep or rest a little bit? And I was like, no, my daughter's going to wake up. I've been in labor for like seven hours. Like I I do want to give birth. So Mm -hmm. she was playing off my energy as well. And she said, okay, let's try to give birth to this baby with a little bit of manipulation from me and with your strength. So she put me into the right position and she used her hands as kind of a forcep to hold his head and turn it into the position that would be optimal 
for birth. So instead of his head being on the side where we naturally have like a plate uh, in our brains, she mm-hmm. turned him to like the crown of the head where the brain can kind of contract and come together, which is like what's needed, not contract, like come, the bones can come together, which is what's needed for the baby to pass through the birth canal. Mm-hmm. So she did that. And um, it was a struggle. Like it was, it was, I, I do remember it being quite a struggle to, because she wanted me to push as she was manipulating the baby's head. And then when he was in the right position, he was right. My contractions returned and I did start to feel the need to bear down. And in that moment, and this is what would never happen in a hospital. She was on my bed with me and we were both kind of almost in a cross-legged position with me Mm. pushing my feet against her cross-legged legs. And then she put a sheet around her back and asked me to pull it and use my feet to leverage against her legs. If you, I don't know if you can picture it, but we basically birthed like together. Like there's, we were completely connected and that would never happen to with a doctor, you know, Mm. that that would, Mm -hmm. you would never get into that position. There'd be no facility to ever be that supported during birth yeah so she had you know her hand manipulating him and as almost as like a forcep kind of helping his head out meanwhile I was using every little contraction that I could to bear down but the difference between my other birth where I had the strong pushing contractions and hero my daughter just like came out within two three pushes this Mm -hmm. required me to push for like a while maybe 10 pushes or more and for me it felt like forever Mm. and so and I really had to like push super consciously with my strength as opposed to just allow these big pushing contractions which feel like you're pooping to just do the work do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so that was quite difficult but the cool thing is I have no because I was on no painkillers and or no drugs and even I wasn't even on my own like drugs really because I felt like the pushing contractions weren't there. The birth was like incredibly conscious and memorable because I could like every inch that he came down my birth canal, I mm. was doing, I was like doing it with my pushing. Yeah. So that was really poignant and very, in, let, let me say very intense. It was definitely an intense birth. My husband and my mom were like, Push, push. My mom at one point like gave me some cold coffee and just like poured it down my throat. It was like very, very intense. It was like super like, whew. Anyway, but then when he actually came out, like when he was crowning, it was so nice. Melanie was like, okay, you can touch the head. And I already, while he was just crowning and still like in my vagina, I could touch his head and everything and feel him. And as the head was coming out, she like, took my husband's hand and my hand and we like pulled the baby out together and that is just like so amazing like such a such a great moment Mm -hmm. and it was just a birth that was really like like I just don't even know how I would have given birth without her like she gave birth just as much as I did and a doctor I feel like wouldn't necessarily do that and later like after everything she told me that if it wasn't for a home birth, this probably would have ended up in a C-section Definitely, because his head was completely on the side. 
And um, he even had, when he came out, he had like a lump on the side of his head because he was trying to get into the birth canal with the side of his head. Mm. So she said, when they would have found you at 10 centimeters with his head completely not in optimal position, they wouldn't have done so many manipulations or given you so much time. They would have said that we don't, we want to avoid him going into distress. So we put you in a C-section. But mm. because we were we were not distressed, I was not distressed. Aries was never distressed. Like I personally have heard his heartbeat the whole time. And he was never in any kind of stress because of, I believe, because of the environment and because of her. How she spoke to me, even when we had a, that hiccup, the way Definitely. her loving words and her energy being so calm. Me and my baby never once went into distress. And I never once even thought of calling the ambulance because she moved to my speed and we just, we just made it happen together. She could read my energy. She was so flexible and, you know, it just all like lends to each other so beautifully. Yeah, definitely. And so then after I went through this incredibly difficult, like birthing moment, she put the baby on me, he latched immediately. And then it came time for the cutting of the cord and my husband cut my daughter's cord and so she was like who who wants to cut the cord you know and my husband was like it has to be you you fought for this baby like you have to cut the cord yourself and that was also just like so beautiful so I cut the cord myself and it was just it was just amazing like just to have done it in my bed and that nothing like we just cleaned him we're all ooing and eyeing and looking at him and just in this really special moment together. And luckily, once again, I had like no tearing, so no after complications. And it took, it took again, it took like long, like 20 minutes until I birthed my placenta, but she never even like made a big deal out of it or anything. She was just like, okay, I think now maybe we could see if it might be ready and then check and then wait a bit and then check again. And then my placenta was just birthed like completely with no drama. Mm. And then she even like showed me like after we were lying there with the baby, she showed me my entire membrane connected to like this perfect umbilical cord and my whole placenta as like one unit. It was all completely Mm. unbroken. Mm -hmm. And it was just like so cool to see. Um, And she just cleaned us off. My daughter came in to see the baby. And then we just like my husband and I just fell asleep with our baby in our bed. And just, you know, in a loving environment. Peaceful. Yeah, no no disturbance. No people coming in every few minutes. And it was just like, it just felt really meant to be. And so I was so happy with my, with my home birth experience. And I feel like I would definitely do it again. And my, my wish for mothers is that they could just hear stories like this Mm. and hear positive birth stories and like set intentions to have births like that as opposed to like just live in fear till they give birth. And I think the more positive stories that there are out there, the more they know about each process and each step of the birth the more empowered you feel like going into it. 
I agree. Um, I have a few questions. Yes. So how did you prep Hero for the birth and everything? So because she was so young, she was not yet two and just like starting to talk. Like there was nothing much I could tell her besides like, you know, you're going to be a sister. There's going to be a baby. But I didn't really prep her for the actual birth because I didn't really want her there. I just I just made sure that like if she were to be awake during the time my mother-in-law could be with her. Mm-hmm. And um, I just like you tell her, yeah, you're gonna, it's going to be a baby. We're going to have like a brother. Mommy's going to have a baby. But I couldn't really explain to her. Like now, if I have a third child, now that she's older, I would really be able to prep her. But mm-hmm. I honestly didn't very much, you know, and we just hoped that she wouldn't <laughs> like that everything would be smooth. <laughs> yeah. <know>. <laughs> Um, okay, and then but she slept life. peacefully through the whole thing. We had a white noise machine, so there was like that drowned it out a bit of the noise. But she she was sleeping through the night at that age, mm. and so she just slept through the night. Lovely. And she woke up early, which was a bit stressed. Like she woke up while I was giving birth. But my mother in law, like my husband, must have called her, his mom, mm. to come, and she just went into the room with like creeped past us, went into the room with Hero, and kept her busy for like two hours. While we nice. were like waiting to, yeah, she just handled it. Like, yeah, just that's what you should do. Like get somebody who can handle your kid for a few hours if need be, because you just never know. Of course, I could have also given birth in the day and then yeah. she would have needed a lot more attention. Mm. And then your midwife, did she stay with you in Nairobi or were you doing the checkups yeah, well, virtually? No, she stayed with me. You know, the what, the package that she was offering at the time was that she would come, because she was living in Nanyuki, she would come two weeks, like she would be in Nairobi, two weeks before your birth, or was it three weeks, I think? Mm. Three weeks before your birth, and then two or three weeks after. I can't remember exactly. I think two weeks after. So she would, like, that's why she was doing the in-person check at 37 weeks 37 and a half weeks and Mm. then she was there for my birth because she was just around and she was like I'm gonna be around for you because a lot of moms give birth a bit early or a bit late you never know yeah and then she's also there for two weeks after so that she can check on you like she checked on me for the first three days she came every day and checked on us checked on the baby checked on myself and then for the five then she then she waited I think five days and then checked on me and then at the two-week mark did like a final check slash saying goodbye type of thing she also helped me like get the birth certificate because she had like a local clinic like a clinic that she was working with and so they could issue the birth certificate because that was one of my concerns too what about the legal aspect yeah okay cool well would you do the placenta for here in Aries Yes, yeah, so in in the hospital with Hero, I never saw the placenta again. It was considered medical waste. So that was the end of that. But when I gave birth at home, Melanie did it, like introduce me to the options that are out there for what I wanted to do with my placenta. She basically said that like some women eat the placenta and that you could eat it right away in the form of a smoothie or however, 
or you could eat a part of it, or you could even uh, keep it and de like dehydrate it and turn it into tablets. She just gave me all the options. Mm. Um, she was, she, or she said you can. Uh, she gave me the option of planting it. She said you could plant it and like plant a tree or something on top of it. And so she just gave me different options. And I, I said I, I don't think I would eat it, but I was open. Like we kind of had just left it to being a bit open-ended and we ended up after the birth we ended up freezing it and then at a slightly later date like a few days later we thawed it and we ended up planting it in the in a in a really big pot and we planted a lemon tree on top of it oh, and I just thought it was a nice way to like put it back in the earth and because I didn't necessarily want to eat it hmm. okay. so there's different options I guess Mm -hmm. you always have options yeah that's the nice thing about home birth you have your options you know mm. and you're just allowed to be an individual like you might not like music you might not like wa the water aspect of it you might want to stand in the shower like for the whole of your labor or you <laughs> might want to like be alone and just be like, I'm going to be in my room and I'll talk to you guys later. You know, you can be an individual. You can be on all fours or bouncing on a ball or laughing and talking or screaming. Like you can do whatever you want because it's your home with people who you trust and who know you and mm. seems intended. Yes. That exactly. being said, of course, I can't discount that some people really do gen genuinely need medical mm. assistance and C-sections and that. It's so we're so lucky to have all that and it's saved countless mothers and babies. But for not probably 95% of women, I don't know the actual statistic, but so many women, They're if both. left to themselves and if supported correctly and given the tools that they need, we do intrinsically and instinctively know how to give birth because at the end of the day, we are animals. And we're, we're following a completely normal process. One of the most important processes that some would argue we're meant to is the reason why we're here is to procreate. And it's so meant to be that if we're just like supported, but also left alone, like that we, that it can, it can be a beautiful and empowering experience and without so many complications, because like you saw from my first birth, every intervention just led, led to another one yes exactly well thank you yeah. so much for sharing no problem is there any information you'd like to add in case anyone wants to reach you well one one thing that really changed my mind about like the birthing uh the birthing experience was um a documentary i watched called the business of being born it's quite a lot about like birth in the U.S., but it still holds true in most medical situations and in most hospitals. And I just thought it gave me a really good perspective on what goes on and what what can be. And I think that's that's the key is like what can be, because a lot of women have really negative experiences, even if their birth is actually quite normal. Mm. And it just gives you like an idea of uh, another, another way of doing things. And I would definitely, if I was a mom who was pregnant or curious, 
childbirth or trying for a child, having another birth and looking for a more positive way out there. Speak to, even if you don't want a home birth, education is key and it's life and freedom. And like the more you know, the more you can, you can just like have a birth that is worthy of you, that you deserve, you know, not something that's convenient for somebody else or that's based on someone else's experience. Just find your truth in your way. Because at the end of the day, this is a very beautiful, empowering, and individual experience. And mm. you guys can find me at on Instagram at by Joy Richard. I also have a blog which has a lot about mothering and being a working mom. But because I'm a hair makeup artist, it's also about like beauty and hair. Mm. It's my website is www.byjoeyrichard.com. So you can definitely follow me. I love sharing my experience as a mom in Kenya. And yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you. I will link all of that below. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. And I'll definitely be following you too, Nicole, and seeing what you're up to. Mm. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you're like that you're just adding to the positive voices and trying to make a difference in your own way so that there can be more like positive birthing experiences for Kenyan mothers. Mm, yeah I think if everyone hears your story mine and all the other women it just hopefully people will look forward to giving birth for sure I can't wait to give birth again Me I want too. one more oh baby <laughs> I'm like it's gonna that. be even better because right. it's my 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 second birth wasn't exactly easier than my first one but mm. it was better for sure And I can't say how, like, I can't say enough how great it is to have kids close together. Mm. And it wasn't easy, but it's so magical now, like the way they are together and their connection and their bond. I really wanted them to like never know life without each other. I love that. And even for my third, I'm like really hoping that I'll have, you know, it'll happen soon so that I can, I can have my babies all together and they can just like I said never know life without each other and have that sibling bond where there's no like they're not cognizant of the jealousy yet <laughs> and it does yes. make a bit of a difference like they just you're just they all just are part of a family without any they're still so pure as kids so they don't resent each other yet you know what I mean yeah it must be so nice to watch that's cute <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> thank you so much and all the best yeah. you too have a lovely day that's it for this week if you'd like to share your story you can email us at rubymamas14 at gmail.com to join the community follow the podcast and leave a review or comment thanks for tuning in